You're listening to the voice of Rowan Prof Sports. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your Wednesday host, Aaron Hook. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, bit of a mistake on my end. I saw offsides open and accidentally uh, clicked on Aaron Hook's offside open for the Wednesday show. So this is your Friday host, Danny Ryan, the own radio sports director, right here on our Friday edition of Offsides. I'm joined by Ali Pontano, Connor Brown, Nick Rizzo, and Seth Fisher as we get set for a variety of topics. The sports world really has just been packed full of news recently, so we have a lot to uncover. Not necessarily great news to uncover. The first topic we uh, are going to be covering is going to be pretty good news, Thursday Night Football. But then we're going to lead into the Ime Udoka situation, that whole scandal over with the Boston Celtics and just... It's a lot to debrief. A lot of you know reports that are coming out that are being uh, kind of denied, and the situation just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And we'll talk all about that as we uh, kind of steer into the MLB talk as well, looking at the playoff picture and talking about Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols, their home run races, both two away from their goal. Of course, Judge trying to break the record held by Roger Maris and Pujols trying to hit 700 home runs. And then we'll wrap it up with some more football talk and our top five, which I'll keep a secret for now. But... Thank you all so much for joining me. I appreciate it. I'll start off with Connor. Connor, let's talk Thursday night football in the game last night between the Steelers and Browns. I mean, obviously, we watched it together. I watched Amari Cooper absolutely just light it up for 23.1 points against your fantasy team. But most importantly, the Browns, they win 29-17 in this one. And Jacoby Brissett, really, I'll be honest, he looked pretty good in this one. 220 for two touchdowns, 21 for 31 and he brought a lot of energy last night. If you watched the game last night, he just seemed to be motivated, just had a different edge, you know, just about how he carried himself last night. What did you see from the Browns, and uh, how deadly is that running game really, Connor? I mean, it's it's definitely one of the deadliest running games in the NFL. And just going back to Brissett real quick, I mean, yeah, he had a heck of a performance last night. And so far this year, he has, he's done everything to not lose him games. Even, you know, that historically bad loss last week to the Jets wasn't his fault. So, you know, with Brissett, this is probably about the peak of what I think we're going to get from him. Just really solid quarterback play, a guy who he could sling a little, little bit. He, he, he has some nice velocity on his balls, but a lot of his, you know, throws are, are, are a lot of timing. So he'll do a good job filling in for now until, unfortunately, you know, Deshaun Watson comes back at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's going to be that bridge guy for them this year. I'll make it an open discussion from here on out, so if anyone wants to join in, by all means. But uh, just continuing on the Thursday night football topic, Mitch Trubisky didn't necessarily play terrible last night as the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he just didn't get the job done, quite frankly. No interceptions, but no touchdowns as well, and tried to rely on that running game a ton. It didn't really work out. 15 carries for Najee for 56 and one touchdown. Jalen Warren looked a little bit explosive for four carries, but nothing to really write home about. If anyone would like to jump in, by all means, I mean, what did you see from the Thursday night football game last night as far as the Steelers' perspective really goes? Yeah, and the Steelers last night, their offense definitely taking steps in the right direction since week one. Mike Tomlin after the game saying that he hasn't considered a QB change outside of Mitch Trubisky possibly sliding Kenny Pickett in there. He says he hasn't considered it so far. 
I don't, I don't really know which angle I would take with this because Mitch Trubisky, you have the side that the offense has improved throughout the three games. But, you know, there's not much that, in my opinion, any QB can do with this offensive line. You know, the offensive line is not going to be able to support Najee Harris as much as it should. Najee Harris hasn't really – the yards per carry hasn't been high up his entire career. I think that's highly because of the offensive line. But Kenny Pickett, you know, I think it's finally time – to make the change to Kenny Pickett at QB for the Steelers, sliding mm. in some fresh legs, a fresh arm, you know, some more youth, see what he could do, see if he can give the team a spark because last night the offense, it was pretty hard to watch for the Steelers. It definitely was, but, I mean, we're through three weeks now for the Steelers, two weeks for the rest of the NFL, and um, besides from the Browns, obviously. Um, but, I mean, you say finally time to pull the trigger. It's been three weeks for them. Well, I, mean, I, I, feel, I think that... Kenny Pickett should have been the week one starter. That's my personal okay. opinion. I think he should have been in there from week one, throw him into the fire, first QB taken in the draft, mm -hmm. see what he's got. But, you know, Mitch Trubisky, he hasn't looked, he hasn't looked like, horrible, but he's not the guy that's going to take the Steelers over the top and be a playoff contender. In my opinion, I think that sitting behind a veteran like Trubisky could be only beneficial for Pickett. I mean, you just look at a couple of situations where that has happened and that has benefited players. Obviously, you go and look over at Kansas City, Pat Mahomes sitting behind, uh, blanking on his name real quick, Alex Smith, that's right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and just obviously he's a generational talent, but at the same time he had a whole year off to really nurture his game and just polish himself to where he wanted to be. I don't see why Pickett can't do that this year, especially if this trend continues early on because – I mean, realistically, I don't see them moving on from Trubisky until about week six, week seven maybe, uh, depending on how good or bad he plays. If he blows it up, maybe it's sooner rather than later. But I see, honestly, like a midseason switch in comparison to right now. I yeah, mean, but I see, that's where I disagree with you, Danny, because if, if they're going to make a midseason switch, that tells me that they were a team that wasn't expecting to go to the playoffs this year. And but, but what if Mitch keeps them at around 500 until... Well, he hasn't so far, and I mean, I, to me, this is like kind of the peak of what you're going to look like with Mitch Trubisky. You know, it's going to be all right. You know, you're, you're, you're going to... Mitch didn't make like any, like, I'd say bonehead plays last night, no. but he, it was a lot of short passes, um, you know, miss, some misses downfield. You know, you might as well give the, the kid a, a shot, you know, pick it. And see if he can spark something in this offense because right now it just really looks stagnant. And it, yeah, it, it definitely doesn't help because the offensive line. And look, the take of sitting behind a veteran QB, mm -hmm. I feel like that is only fully effective when you're sitting, when you're like a Jordan Love sitting behind an Aaron Rodgers or something like that. I think that. Well, that hasn't benefited him much, but. True, no, Jordan true, Love isn't good. More of, more of sitting behind an established guy like Rodgers. I think Pickett could be more beneficial being thrown right into the fire as opposed to just sitting on the bench and watching Trubisky play. I mean, he was playing with the third string guys in camp. They wouldn't trust him with the first string guys. I mean, obviously in the preseason they gave him a little bit of action, but there's something to be said in that message right there that they there don't is, think he's ready. Absolutely, yeah, and that's probably a part of the reason. They probably mm. haven't seen enough in Pickett to throw him out there yet, which is somewhat concerning. But if, if he wasn't ready, he'd be the third stringer behind Mason Rudolph. You already, you already have Mason Rudolph, who'd be who has already proven that he can be a backup. Even well, I, I think I don't like that, him. But, I mean, they yeah. still put Pickett ahead of him. I think so they that reasoning, see some. I, I agree with you, but I also think that reasoning is, okay, we know what Rudolph's ceiling is, especially as a backup quarterback. Why would we put him as the second string when we, you know, we can only go up from seeing what Pickett has, you know, have him be the third string in case Pickett gets hurt. But my thing is, like, 
Pickett did prove himself in college, but and he did have great film, especially mm-hmm. his senior year. Not Tra- doubting that, though. Trubisky has been in the NFL for three, four years in Chicago. Granted, Chicago is not that great with quarterbacks, especially recently. So even if Pittsburgh did their homework and saw the trend in Trubisky and how he just isn't that good in man coverage, misreads the slants, I would take the risk as early as next week and put Pickett as the starter. I don't know. It just seems like a little... I mean, not that I'm saying, like, Mitch Trubisky staying there is going to benefit this team a whole lot because, you know, me saying it's a little too early. I just think it's too early because Pickett hasn't been developed enough. But I'm fully on board for, like, a week five switch. I You know, I don't, I don't hate that at all. I just think there's a reason he didn't start off as the starting QB. So why not give him two extra weeks and just have Trubisky keep you at managing games almost 500 ball. They're only one and two. I mean, they're only one game, obviously, under 500, so they can still kind of stay around that mark. Seth, what do you think about the quarterback controversy over in uh, Pittsburgh? I don't think Tomlin nor Matt Canada really trust Mitchell Mitchell Trubisky, and I'm not so sure that they would trust Pickett any more or less. Mm -hmm. But it's the fact that Matt Canada isn't, isn't necessarily dialing up plays over the middle for Trubisky, which is, you know, the danger zone for quarterbacks. He's not... I don't. I don't really think he has all the full totality of the reins so far, and I. I think he's probably on a short leash. I don't think he's yeah. done anything to really put himself no. at a detriment against Pickett or Mason Rudolph. But it, he certainly is not fully trusted by this coaching staff. Yeah, he's not separating himself in any way, right. and you know that's kind of what we assumed when they signed him. That all right, they might give him a chance, but. It's a matter of time until Kenny Pickett kind of storms into that situation and takes control. So I give it a few more weeks. I just think that, you know, what Seth said, I don't think they trust him any more or less. So uh, I think it'll take at least two more weeks before they really decide to pull that trigger, especially with a veteran head coach like Mike Tomlin. But, I mean, hey, crazier things have happened. I have, you know, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the front office. I'm not making these decisions or even hearing about them. So he could be the starting QB as early as tomorrow. But just checking in on the Brown side of things, we talked about the running game a little bit early on. But 23 carries for Nick Chubb last night with 113 yards, one touchdown, average half of the 10 yards he needed every single time he was touching the ball, 4.9. And uh, Kareem Hunt, not too shabby himself, only 12 carries, got 47 yards out of it, also had 14 yards through the air. Did you guys see that squat by Nick Chubb, by the way, last night on air? Wait, did you not see? Did you not see him squat? I did not see that. I didn't. No. You didn't see the video of him squat? He, he had a video where he was oh, using oh. one of these special bars... Oh. Because it was so heavy, he had to use one of these special bars that's like a flexible bar. And he, he did like two reps of it, and this thing was flapping up and down. I thought he was going to like yeah. take off and start flying. It was just like... I thought you meant he was doing a squat in the field. Oh, like, no, yes, no. Yeah. No, no. I, I, I told him I didn't know what I was yeah, talking about. Yeah, he's just popping about. squat on Brownie, the elf yeah. in midfield. Like, I told him I didn't know what I think of the new mascot. Yeah. I literally watched that clip with you. That that was absurd. I don't know if you guys got a chance to catch that, but he must have had how many pounds on there? Probably like 600, 700 I, I think it was they said six ninety five. Wow. Wait, this is the video from the off season, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's insane bar. video. Yeah. That was insane. I mean, that's a running back. Not an offensive lineman, not a defensive lineman. That's a running back. It's just unbelievable. And that's kind of what you said last night, Connor, when you saw it that I mean, dude, this is not a you know a three hundred pound guy. So I mean, I, I just started breaking out laughing when I, when he went down for the second rep. I was yeah. like, whoa, 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 I thought you were maxing out here, yeah. bro. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, what's going on? He, he takes those those strong quads of his and rushes. Oh God, I cannot speak. Rushes them for one hundred and thirteen yards, like I said. So he really did a lot for this team last night. But Jacoby Brissett 
found his receivers, more specifically Amari Cooper and David Njoku. Njoku with nine for 89 and one touchdown. I like the way the passing game looked last night for the Browns. You know, everyone talks about how Jacoby Brissett is kind of a safe game manager. But that's what I'm talking about. Last night he had that different edge where he just was willing to kind of take those chances and feed the guys that, let's be honest, Browns fans have been desperately wanting him to feed, especially David Njoku. Seth, I mean, what would it be like if David Njoku could emerge in this already terrific offense? It, it would be a dream come true for a team that's really wanted a lot from him over the past couple of years. He was a first-round tight end, stupid good profile athletically, but he's never really been able to nail that production down. And if Kevin Stefanski is able to you know, really put him into this passing game as a true number one, number two option behind Amari, that's, 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 that's big news for them, especially yep. if you can get a guy like David Bell to develop into some sort of wide receiver too, and Watson comes back, it could be a it could yeah. be a halfway decent offense. Yeah, if he's already performing with Brissett ahead of Watson's return, he's kind of fine-tuned in a rhythm by then. Watson comes back, I'm sure he'll be training up until uh, his 11-game suspension is over, so that could be a scary sight if you are, you know, anyone playing the Cleveland Browns because he averaged a first down every cut or I guess I guess I should say every time he was targeted last night every catch um, 9.9 was his average on the night per catch which is just unbelievable um, so great job last night by Njoku just to really I mean he spaced the field so much better because on besides Amari Cooper they had no one else to really target Peoples Jones had one catch David Bell like you said but Kareem Hunt didn't have that much through the air, so really just a great job. And I think, honestly, that's why they won the game last night. They had that second threat that the Steelers, let's be honest, really didn't have. Pat Fryermuth had the second most yards with 41. The second most receptions on the team behind Deontay Johnson's eight was three between Pickens, Claypool, and Harris. I mean, that's just not a winning formula at all. Yeah, and look, the Trubisky talk, it definitely doesn't help that he has basically one receiver that he can count on in the pass game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Deontay Johnson... Uh, the clear number one in Pittsburgh. Fryermuth, he's shown flashes, but he hasn't really been able to put it all together consistently yet. That's something that the Steelers need to see. They need to see someone, Fryermuth, Pickens, one of these guys, someone step up and be able to accumulate all these snaps and be consistent and get consistent targets to take some of the pressure off of Deontay as well. Yeah, and take some of the pressure off of Najee in this offensive line too. I mean, you can see they're trying. It's just not working. And you you see this in his stat line in general. I mean, 3.7 yards per carry. It's not awful, but it's not a Najee night. It's not what you're used to seeing from him when he has a decent offensive line around him. So Yeah, and it's not like the Steelers don't have weapons either. Like no. at wide receiver, I think definitely their biggest issue is just consistency. Sometimes Deontay Johnson just kind of forgets how to catch the ball. Claypool just doesn't show up. Pickens, to me, I love watching Jordan Pickens. I mean, that catch he had last mm-hmm. night was insane. But there, there's something about him where, like, I don't know if I can really trust him sometimes. Still raw. I still get, like, that, like, I don't know, it's kind of, like, about him first, you know? Mm-hmm. He's still a raw prospect, but at the same time, you see the flashes. They can tune him up over the course of the season and just get him – into this offense and to fully learn this playbook. I mean, if they have him, basically, because Claypool hasn't separated himself as the two on this team at all, I would say Pickens has a chance to emerge as the two on this team. And, I mean, he had more yards last night, the same amount of receptions as Claypool. So, you know, he's making the case a little bit early on. But With uh, the Steelers' history of developing receivers, I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen that sooner than later. Yeah, exactly. That's true. You go down the list, it's they've always had success developing receivers. And we thought that was going to be, and not that it can't be, but we thought that was going to happen with Claypool, no problem, just because of his build in general. I mean, the same thing with Deontay. I mean, he's out of Toledo. Who would have thought this 5'10 kid would have, you know, Exactly. Be the Steelers' number one right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Eight receptions last night for 84 yards once again for Deontay Johnson. But that'll just about wrap it up for our Thursday night football talk here on Offsides. We'll take a quick step off, 
as we come back and get into our second segment of the evening. It's going to be about Ime Udoka, the former Celtics head coach, at least for now. He's suspended one year, and we'll get into all of that when we come back right here on Offsides. Once again, you're tuned into to RowanRadio.com Channel 2, our Friday edition of Offsides with Danny Ryan, Ali Pontano, Connor Brown, Nick Rizzo, and Seth Fisher. We'll be back after these messages. Join me, Gina, every Sunday from 7 to 10 a.m. for the Sunday Sounds of Music. I'll bring you all the toe-tapping hits of the Great White Way that will have you singing along in no time. Who wants to sing show tunes? Plus, I'll have Broadway news, blocks of Broadway, and tickets to some of the hottest shows around. That's the Sunday Sounds of Music with me, Gina, every Sunday, right here on your station for the Broadway music that matters, Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. RowanRadio.com Channel 2. This is your host, Danny Ryan, on this Friday edition of Offsides right here at Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm joined here by Ali Pontano, Connor Brown, Nick Rizzo, and Seth Fisher as we get into our second segment of this evening. We're talking the NBA, the Boston Celtics, and their head coach, and as I mentioned before the break, Former head coach for the time being, Ime Udoka, is suspended an entire season with his future with the franchise in the air. They haven't officially fired him from the franchise yet, but, I mean, let's just get right into it and break it down. This news has been kind of sweeping the sports world over the past 24 hours, and at first it was a consensual relationship with another female staff member in the organization. It violated a guideline in the Boston Celtics uh, organization and the Celtics were just going to suspend him for a year uh, and I'm sure fine him for some some amount <laughs> he's a head coach he makes millions but now it's coming out that it was unwanted I guess you could say flirtation and basically uh, I'll just straight up say it's sexual harassment towards these uh, female co-workers or just female co-worker I believe so it, not a great site for the Celtics and Ime Uduka or Udoka pardon me and uh, suspended officially for that one year so I mean, Nick, I'll just start with you real quick. What are your initial thoughts on this entire thing? Now reports are coming out that it was unwanted and it wasn't consensual at all and it was really harassment. What are your thoughts on this? Well, yeah, that's definitely not a good look for Udoka. Originally, when this report came out, everyone was saying how this guy's going to want to be in basketball this year. He could get pried away from the Celtics due to the suspension. But with these new reports, who knows if that'll be the case because – you know, once this starts getting flipped on Udoka and it's saying it's not consensual, all that, then teams are going to start being hesitant, including the Boston Celtics, to bring him back willingly. So, you know, just I'm just keeping an eye out for that. Originally, I was transitioning this on where he could potentially go mm-hmm. for more coaching opportunities this season. 
but now I'm not sure if that's a real possibility with these new reports. No, yeah, he's out of the out of the NBA for at least a year, and the Celtics released a statement basically saying that they're going to decide his future with the franchise at some point in the near future, so that could be a few weeks, a month, who knows. Um, maybe it takes half the season for all I know, but basically Udoka came out and talked for the first time yesterday and said, I'm sorry for putting the team in this difficult situation. I accept the team's decision. Obviously not a lot of words from Udoka, and uh, not that he should have a lot to say right now, but Udoka, the crazy thing is, he's a married man. He has a wife. So married to Nia Long, one of the actresses over there in Hollywood, and, uh, well, I can't, can't imagine she's too happy about this, guys. It's just messed up. Like, come on, man. Like, you're married, and I, I really don't want to pry into your private life but like it doesn't give you a right to go cheat on your wife and risk your job and even if it was an unhappy marriage you should have just talked things out instead of doing something so boneheaded like this and yeah reports coming out saying it's unwanted Mm -hmm. like I think he's done honestly like that's the thing, like with these unwanted reports. Now, it's one thing if it was a consensual relationship and, you know, the woman who she was probably upset that I got released, but whatever happened, happened. He's gone for a year. But now it's a completely different ball game. And Connor, you mentioned yesterday uh, at the apartment that basically, I mean, who knows if they have an open relationship being a former NBA player and an NBA player that's now a head coach. And yeah. then obviously Nia Long being an actress. Who knows? I mean, they look crazy lives. Yeah, but I mean, I'm my main focus of on this thing is how you know Woj just absolutely botched. He did. The, yeah. Like he he really should like like. Uh, Shams had to literally clean it up. For it him. was really bad, dude, because he he just threw this stuff out there, which obviously he knew people were gonna like start digging into, and as soon as they started getting little details or just little ideas in their head, they started running with this stuff, and they were you know going onto the Boston Celtics website trying to find you know female staffers that work for the organization yeah and you know danny showed me this yesterday they actually like took it off the internet yesterday because mm-hmm. like it's just a absolute awful situation i feel bad for all the women involved mm-hmm. and you know it, when, when it comes to breaking news stories like this Woj has to know better like that, that that's bs man to like put someone in a situation like that and um consent yeah. it's not even like it was just mixed up kind of he like, literally use the word, it was a consensual relationship. Well, and yeah, and also I think the important thing we should be saying right now is we, we still don't know the full story. We don't. Right. Exactly. We know what we know. We know, we know what's we been reported. Yeah. So we're taking the most recent report as far as it, it was unwanted as, you know, as true as we can take it right now because that's all we know. But at the same time, I mean, just like you said, to say it was a consensual relationship and if this new news is true, I mean, that's not a good look for Woj at all because yeah. he's basically putting that, that girl in a terrible situation. So... I mean, yeah, it's just, I honestly, I can't believe it. I couldn't believe the news when I first saw it, but now I can't believe the developing news because it's just getting worse and worse as the hours go on. But, like, the real question is, is, like, do we actually want to know the real news? Like, is it going to be to the point that we regret we're going to want to know it? Like, I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. Whatever is in his personal life is in his personal life, but it... When it comes down to sexually harassing somebody, then you kind of now his news is our news or his business is our business because, I mean that's obviously not okay. So you got to intervene at some point. But if it was just a consensual relationship, when it was that that was the only news that was out, Connor and I were kind of like, all right, you know, I get the suspension. But if it was a consensual relationship, it's his own life. If he wants to cheat, he unfortunately will. 
Give him a six month suspension yeah. or a three months. Right. That, that, that was mostly before though. The, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, with, with yeah no, 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 no. I, I know. Yeah. I'm, I just want to say though, with like the sexual harassment, you know, part now coming out, um, I, I do think it's it's people's business because he's yeah. he's a person of prominence. He's he's very well known. He he was practically on top of the world mm-hmm. going into the NBA Finals this year. Rookie head coach and just it looked like everything was up for him, and for him to you know just abuse his power like this because he has a lot of power in the position that he's in and to hold that over like people that he works with is just not um it's not okay it's not something that we should stand for either so i definitely agree with you know the celtics at least suspending him for a year um but i i i see him coming back to coach in the nba i just don't see it with boston yeah i agree with you to an extent because we've seen this with I mean, different types of cheaters, but cheaters in general in the MLB. A.J. Hinch has a job now with the Detroit Tigers after quite literally, I mean, people want to believe it as stealing a World Series from possibly the New York Yankees and, you know, yada, yada, yada. We'll get into the MLB later, but uh, we've seen coaches return from, I wouldn't say far worse than this, if this really is true, but we've seen coaches return after doing something. Yeah, and if Matt Barnes is saying you're in trouble, you're you're, you're in trouble. If Matt Barnes is... The whole story does need to come out, not even just for the awareness, spreading awareness of this whole thing, but for the other teams as well. Because if his his career is done in Boston, these other teams are going to have to know the situation that's going on if they're going to bring him into the building. Yeah, 100%. They're going to have to know every single detail and just... Mm -hmm. I mean, you would assume that you really would because... Going into, obviously, the NBA season and stuff like that, you want to make sure you have all your bases covered. But just comparing it, and I know I'm comparing different sports, but comparing it to the NFL, I doubt the Browns knew every single little detail when they traded for Deshaun Watson. So at the same time, it's it's, it's disgusting to say, but some owners are just so win-hungry that if they can bring in an elite head coach, regardless of his past history, if it's you know a year behind him, they'll do it. So if he's really, you know, didn't do anything terribly wrong obviously we don't know the situation like we've been saying it's still breaking as we speak but if he didn't do something awful he'll still get a job chance but obviously it's not going in the right direction at the time being the thing is i don't see him coming back as a head coach well, he's already been an assistant coach that's the thing i think he's gonna teams. go back to being an assistant because it's get like if the whole situation is true i feel like nba teams are gonna look at it and be like okay, we can't trust this guy as the head coach. Maybe if we bring him as offensive coordinator or the assistant coach, he'll have someone above him mm-hmm. to keep him in check. I would have to disagree because Danny mentioned the A.J. Hinch situation. I think there is a team out there that would be willing, even if this story unravels in the worst possible way for Ime Udoka, once, it's, once all the dust is settled, there is a team out there that would be willing to bring him in to try and capture a championship. It's just the sad reality of the situation. He will get picked up, in my opinion. Seth, what are you thinking about this whole situation? I try to think about it more so because I'm, I'm so in the dark, and I think we all are, yeah. about what really did happen. So from a basketball perspective and what's going to happen with the Celtics, I mean, it's, it's hard to say that this isn't a fall from grace. NBA Finals, you're looking at a potential – well, if you, you are looking at a perennial contender with this young roster and all these great players, and now that their head coach who led them to a finals appearance in his first season is out for the whole season, I start to think about how the Celtics are going to be basketball-wise. And I can remember when Steve Kerr had a surgery or he had a family matter or something like that with a great team like the Warriors, and Mike Brown or Luke Walton would step in, and the team would be the exact same way. So I, I struggle to understand or predict whether or not the Celtics are still going to be the top dogs of the East, mm-hmm. but the roster certainly suggests that they are. But this is just such a 
big distraction for the. I'll tell you what, they've had a bad before. week too. I mean, Robert Williams out eight to twelve weeks with knee surgery. Danilo Gallinari tearing his ACL in Italy, and I believe they had another injury today. I'll go back and check in on that. But I mean, and then obviously the news about Ime Udoka. Not a great week for the Celtics organization and Celtics fans, or Celtics fans, I should say, to say the very least. Yeah, um, and even with just those injuries in general, not even throw the Udoka news out of the picture for yeah. a second. Just those injuries are such a huge blow. I just right now I can't possibly see the Celtics returning to even the Eastern Conference Finals this season. I think they'll see a little decline with the way that the East is shaping up so far. Current roster, I can agree with you with the injuries, but we'll see. I mean, they obviously went out and made deadline moves last year, and if they're not in the position to win and they feel like they're just one or two depth guys away, they'll do it. I mean, but, yeah, you're right. The starting center being out of the rotation and, uh, I guess, backup power forwards where they would have played him uh, behind Horford, that's uh, a big you know, big blow, especially for a team like the Celtics. So it's going to be tougher for Brogdon to kind of command that offense off the bench with Smart being the starting point guard. So I, I don't know. I'm not even really thinking in comparison to Seth. I'm – I'm just kind of so wrapped up in the details of the situation that I didn't even think about it from a basketball perspective like you did, so I appreciate you bringing that up. But um, I think that's really all, all we know, at least, all we can say about Ime Udoka, so we'll move on for now. But definitely not a great look for the Celtics and uh, Udoka, who might be going through a divorce in the next few days. I mean, who knows? We'll, we'll f- I'm sure we'll find out with how Twitter uh, kind of works these days. But oh, one thing I did want to mention before we move on, you know, you mentioned Connor how they were looking for female uh, front office staff assistants or you know just staff yep. assistants that are female in general. Remember when they were tweeting out the possible pictures? They were screenshotting. That's why they had to throw the page off. Like remember you told me that it yep. was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people were just so invested. They were literally profiling yeah. girls. Yeah, they were just profiling girls and just posting them on Twitter. Like, <sighs> oh, was it this one? That one? Just some oh, that's people, scary. Some people, yeah. Need a hobby. It's just not. Uh, I don't know. Some people need. Uh, a I'm not, I'm not, get it. not gonna get into it on here. <laughs> All right, let's move in or let's move on to the MLB and touch on the home run race for Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols. Both need two to hit their desired goals, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show. And well, the Yankees will face off against the Boston Red Sox, and that's that game's gonna be first pitch 7:05 yesterday. Aaron Judge almost got the tying home run for the uh, AL record at 61, but in the ninth inning fell just short of the wall on the warning track. Uh, we'll have to wait at least till tonight to try and tie that one or maybe break it. But Albert Pujols is set to face the Dodgers uh, for two more games, or three more games, pardon me, the first game being tonight at 10, 10 p.m. Then he'll face the Brewers and Pirates. So I want to start with Pujols real quick, and then we'll get into Aaron Judge because I think it's really inevitable that he's going to break this record at this point. But with Albert Pujols, I mean, you just look at this matchup left, and he's kind of slowed down a little bit. I mean, you've got a good team in the Dodgers, Brewers are okay, and Pirates are very, very bad. So you have to imagine he'll hit 700 in that series at the very least. But let's say he's on the final day of the year. I saw this uh, topic online today. In the final day of the year, and he's got 699. If you're a Pirates pitcher, are you throwing him meatballs down the plate to give him 700? And I'll even pose this one, too, to think about. Right now, if you're any Dodgers, Brewers, or Pirates pitcher, when you are facing Albert Pujols in that bat, are you throwing him favorable pitches? It's funny because I was having this this conversation with a couple buddies a couple weeks ago when he was just on an absolute tear. I was just saying, do you think these pitchers are just throwing meatballs to him to try and get him this 700? And I think that – I personally think that they might be. We saw it in the All-Star game with Derek Jeter, the 
I, f- I forget exactly who the pitcher was, but after the game, he basically admitted, yeah, I was just throwing him meatballs trying to... I think they have to be. But yeah, like, yeah. Some of the swings, too, are impressive. Like, he'll take a slider that's dry, you know, kind of fading away in the zone and just pull it towards left field. So those I do respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of them are, like, right down the plate and are like, all right, all right. But I, uh, personally, if I'm a pitcher, if I'm, you know, a Dodgers, Brewers, or a Pirates pitcher in just the next week or so... And obviously, I'll never be there, but I would throw meatballs. I, I would. I would too, honestly. It's just so cool to see someone have a record like that or reach a milestone like that. I think it's just for the betterment of the game, I would do it. Yeah, I mean, he's absolutely a mach- uh, machine. The machine, obviously, is his nickname. So he's just, I, I hope he hits it, but it's still up in the air. I mean, if he hits a cold streak right now and he's got, looks like, uh, I think a little over 10 games left, probably 12. He could go on a cold streak and end up not hitting two home runs at that point. How disappointing would that be, honestly? Like, he, this whole story's been built up. Can you imagine MLB fans' disappointment after? Like, they would start a riot against every pitcher in the MLB, I swear. No, seriously. It's crazy. I yeah, mean, I mean, he'd have to come back. He, I he'd think he would. To. I think it, he would. It's like the Bernie Mac movie, Mr. 3000, when he, like, gets 3,000 hits, retires, and then he has to come back because they took away some of his hits. It, it's it's like that. He Pujols can't retire no. without going like hitting 700. He, he can retire after he gets 700. I quite honestly think that if he did not get it or if he does not get it, it's still up in the air, he'll come back next season for as many games as it takes to hit one or two home runs, whatever he needs, and then retire. I respect Cardinal. that. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised that he's in this position in the first place because yeah. – before the All-Star break, he was nowhere near 700 homers, and yeah. he's just been on an absolute tear. Yeah, he had like four home runs at the All-Star break, I think, Yeah, and yeah. eight in August. So, I mean, it's either he's juicing <laughs> well, that's what, or, that's what or they're juicing the ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I think that they're putting some juice balls into these games. Now, I don't know. I mean, who knows with Albert? He's also lying about his age, but, <laughs> I mean, yeah. listen, if he's juicing – I don't support it, but I understand at this point. You've you've proved all you can besides the 700 home runs, so why not try and get there? The MLB maybe might be turning their head and just acting like they don't see it, but I think think definitely at the bare minimum these balls are used. They have to be with the way it's flying off of his bat. But I mean, let's hope we don't get to a position where we have to see him come back next year to try and uh, get 700. But uh, moving on to Aaron Judge and his home run race, kind of the one everyone's got their eye on right now, specifically tonight. He's one away from breaking Roger Maris's record. Like I mentioned, first pitch at 7.05 versus the Red Sox. And, of course, it's going to happen against the Red Sox most likely. If he's unable to get a home run in these this four-game series, I mean, he's passing up a terrific opportunity. But, uh, Seth, I mean, obviously last night he almost tied it. The Yankees still ended up winning in that one. But do you think he ties it tonight? Or do you think he might take you know the rest of these games throughout the season to kind of – elongate, you know, not on purpose, but these home runs. Yeah, I don't think there's any reason to swing for the fences every time you get a favorable-looking pitch. I think they're – I mean, they've, they've clinched a playoff spot, so it's not like he needs to really turn it up to dial 100 in order to, you know, propel this team to wins and try to get a playoff spot. But mm-hmm. I, I think he might take it time by – or just day by day, game by, game by game, and hopefully he does it at home. That's – that's really the only thing is that he does it in front of the Yankee Stadium fans. He's got three more opportunities versus the Red Sox to do it at home, and then we'll be traveling to Toronto. So if he doesn't get it in the Red Sox series, it could smell like Yan- uh, Aaron Judge is going to do it in front of the Blue Jays fans. They'll come back the series after during uh, September 30th through the 2nd of October, and they'll be facing the Orioles in New York, and then they'll be in Texas. So he's only got two more opportunities to try and do it at home. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I see it happening – 
in this Red Sox series. I think that it would make too much sense for the MLB from a promotional standpoint. And like we just kind of talked about with Pujols, I mean, you have to imagine they're putting some juiced balls into this. You know, I wouldn't typically say this if we were, you know, three years in the past, but with just the the eruption of home runs over the past few years, you have to just assume at this point that the MLB is doing something shady to try and sell their game a little bit more. Yeah, I got to agree with you about the Aaron Judge hitting the home run tonight or in the Red Sox series because, let's face it, it's just a perfect setup. Mm-hmm. You're home against Boston. Yankees Red Sox have a historical rivalry. I feel like he's it's on Apple TV though. Yeah, that's, that's oh, the issue. No that's... Michael K. No one's gonna be watching. I mean, it, it it's kind of an issue. Yeah, that, I would prefer is. it doesn't happen tonight. But I don't think Aaron Judge really might care. I mean, as long as he's in front of the New York fans, I feel like that's not gonna matter. But right, Connor, tell talk about how uh, the New York broadcast tried to get this game tonight, didn't they? Yeah, no, I think they were trying to get do like a trade with Apple TV wow. or something. So we were going to have like a broadcaster trade for tonight's <laughs> okay. game. Broadcast rights trade. Yeah, oh it was going to be like Michael Kay and the crew. And I, yeah, but I don't even know who the Apple crew is, to be honest. I do want to go back to your point about like juicing the baseballs. And uh-huh. like, I don't, I don't really know if they are juicing baseballs. Nobody knows for sure. Yeah, but like, I, I don't know to say like, I don't agree with you saying that you think that they're juicing the baseball. That's what I'm trying to say. Because, like, like, how could you even, like, prove that? You know what I mean? Like, I can't prove it, but they've literally come out and said before that some balls were a little bit more juiced for certain seasons. So, you, like, why would you not assume when a guy like Albert Pujols, who could be 44 years of age, is getting juiced balls that just served over the plate for him? Yeah, but doesn't everyone have to use the same baseball that's that baseball for the season? Are, are they mixed in together? Who knows? I mean, maybe they're just throwing the pitcher juice balls when Albert's up. I mean, the, kid, the umpire throws him balls. All right. Yeah. Think about it. He yeah. might have juice balls in his back pocket just for Albert's at bat. I don't know. I'm just—it's a theory here, but yeah. No, no. Just you—you're never gonna be able to work for the MLB someday. So just <laughs> keep that in mind. The way—the way he has erupted, it's just unbelievable. But and yeah. Rob Manfred, he's been facing some heat over the past year or two, just about different topics. <clears throat> and everyone—everyone's always saying these days that baseball is dead and that baseball needs a spark. This is a spark right here. We have multiple different storylines throughout the season about sluggers just, you know, home runs, mm-hmm. slugging it out of the park. You know, I think this is the light that baseball needs. And I'm not going to say that I think they're juice, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were some strings being pulled. To yeah, but are, we, are we really saying guys are really hitting home runs at an absurd rate this year when – no, I'm you not You know, the saying... second place home run leader is 20 behind Aaron Judge. I think this like, is it's more... kind of a wide gap. I think this is more a part of the storyline here. Yeah, yeah, okay. The... Yeah, we're not, I'm not saying they've been juicing the balls okay, or yeah, juice balls all yeah. season. Yeah, right, right. I'm saying more so in the Albert and Aaron situation. Now, Aaron, don't get me wrong, he doesn't need that much help. Yeah. So, I mean, the odds of yeah. the juice balls in those type of games are much less. But for Albert to have eight in the month of August alone, I mean, that's just exactly, an absurd yeah. stat. That, that's my thing. That's my thing. Like, especially since... Before the All-Star break, he was nowhere close. And now all of a sudden, he's two away. So I think there is definitely a strong possibility that Albert's been getting some help from the baseball. No, definitely. I I mean, Pujols is definitely, like, that's been a little, very very shady. I mean, you even saw it in the the home run derby. Mm -hmm. I just don't really like talking about this type of stuff when something really cool is happening in the sport. Because I kind of feel like it, it casts a little bit of a shadow over it, even if it might be true. I just think it's a lot more fun to just play stupid and just enjoy the the home runs. <laughs> I agree. I you know agree. what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. like see ball, hit ball, go go far. 
I'm happy. All right. Well, you got your wish then. We're going to move on to the NFL and talk about some Sunday games and some matchups. We'll first talk about the matchup between the Commanders and the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, the storyline in that one, Eagles versus Carson Wentz for the first time in NFL history. I mean, it's not really going to be NFL history, but obviously they've never faced off against each other. So uh, the first time since their divorce, and, uh, well, it's going to be interesting. It's not at home, so Carson Wentz's head will not be torn off by Philadelphia Eagles fans. It's in beautiful FedEx field, and I say <laughs> that with FedEx as much confidence. Uh, it, yeah, it's still FedEx. I thought they pulled. I don't know. I'll have to look that one up. But uh, I, I mean, it might FedEx. fall apart during the game. Yeah, right. Yeah. As it did when you know, Jalen Hurts almost got trailed by a railing. Like, come on, man. Did Eagles fans sue um, Washington for how they bad tried? It... Yeah, to create like a petition. Yeah, to almost sue them. It was like, all right, we get it. I mean, he wasn't terribly hurt. But um, I mean, back to Commanders Eagles. Carson Wentz is going to face off against his former team for the first time. Now, it's not going to be the ultimate storyline that people want. Ideally, you know, for the storyline to be the the fullest it could be, Doug Peterson would still be coaching the Philadelphia Eagles, but he's not. But he's still going to face off against the guy who took his job in Jalen Hurts and a guy who is killing it so far this season. So you have to imagine he'll be motivated to a certain extent. But this Philadelphia defense is coming off a terrific week against the Vikings. And, well, I'd kind of put the Commanders and Vikings on the same tier. Probably the Commanders just a little bit above the Vikings because of what Carson Wentz can do out of the pocket. We've seen some flashes this year. We've also seen some bonehead flashes from Carson Wentz, but that's just him. Anyone can jump in. I mean, what are you going? What are you expecting from this Commanders Eagles game? Is it going to get shippy between the defenders and the Commander offense? Because there's still a lot of guys on that defensive side that played with Carson Wentz. Well, division rivals, the game will definitely get shippy. I I, I don't think it's going to be particularly a blowout as much as it was on Monday Night Football Eagles Vikings. I think it'll be more of a tight knit contest, kind of like Detroit. But I think ultimate ultimately. The Eagles will pull away. Talking about Wentz versus Hurts, you know, Wentz, you know the Eagles fans are going to pack FedEx Field. They're going to be there. So Wentz is definitely going to feel some of the heat, but it's not going to be fu- – he's not going to feel the full effect. He'll feel that later in the year on Monday Night Football. But really what I'm looking out for in this game is Jalen Hurts. We all know the situation. Hurts takes over for Wentz late in the season and Wentz's last year in Philly. And the, the, all the reports are saying that Wentz was a horrible teammate to Hurts from that moment on. So I think Hurts has a little bit of juice built up inside of him from that. He even expressed that in his press conference. He straight up declined to answer a question about it, almost like he would rather just not answer than lie and say that everything was okay during the yeah. – So I think Hurts has some, has some fire built up, and I think he's going to have a game on Sunday. Connor, what are your thoughts about Eagles commanders? Uh, not a lot of thoughts because I just I do think the Eagles are just a better overall team than the Commanders. Um, I, I I think it's gonna be one of those games personally where the Eagles are gonna get out to a, probably a pretty big lead early, but then um, they'll you know blow it. well no no they they won't blow it but they'll start playing some prevent defense. Carson Wentz will start being able to move the ball downfield a little bit after already making a few mistakes. Um, so I mean I just see this as an e- easy win for the the Eagles this weekend. I mean that they, they should beat them. And uh, I, I also expect there to be probably more Philly fans in the crowd than uh, Washington fans. Yeah, and I mean, especially after what happened last time with Jalen Hurts, you know, almost getting killed. I, I, I do think that they're <laughs> actually going to show up and try to, you know, take that game over. So, um, yeah, I mean, not a complete blowout, but I, I do think this will be an easy one. Yeah, I kind of agree with Nick in the sense that it's going to be a little bit tighter knit. And that could also correlate with your point, Connor, because I think that, 
the Eagles are definitely going to jump out to a pretty good start um, just because, let's be honest, they're a more talented team. But, I mean, you start against the Lions, 38-35. to 35. They let them come all the way back into that one, a field goal away from tying it. So I definitely expect, like you said, Connor, the commanders to kind of make it a little bit tighter later on in the game. But I think everyone's really taking the Eagles in this one. Allie, what do you say? I think it's going to be Eagles very close, maybe by three, um, maybe by seven, but it's going to be mm-hmm. Eagles very close and – it's kind of reminding me of the good old Favre versus Rogers days because, like, you're having the backup playing the former starter. It's definitely going to be heated against both of them from a quarterback perspective of who could get the most touchdowns, um, completions, all that stuff. Who but- can steal the most stunny- money from the state. You know. <laughs> stop stop yeah uh, okay okay how about, how about that news by the way uh, jeez man Jeez. i i'm i'm saying it was out the goodness of his heart but he skipped a lot of steps yeah okay um, i'll just tell you what it wouldn't be an ali pontano point if you didn't compare the topic to the green bay packers I just wanted to say that right now it's like i, I had to get it I, in there. I, yeah you're not wrong connor but to get back to Wentz versus Hurts, I just think it's going to be a quarterback duel, and then defense is going to step up. Chase Young, we can't ignore him on the commanders. Like Chase Young is definitely going to try and make his presence known, and then Darius Slay is definitely going to yeah. stalk Carson Wentz the whole time. It's going to be an interesting battle. Well, Chase Young isn't going to be active for this one, unfortunately. He's close, but he's not quite close enough to come back for the Eagles game from his ACL tear last season. So they won't have to worry about him in this one. But good point you made there as well. Darius Slay coming off an electric week in which really should have had four interceptions, but four pass deflections with two interceptions. Pretty good stat line to go home with. Seth, we'll wrap it up uh, with you for the Eagles versus Commanders talk, and then we'll talk about Rodgers versus Brady. I don't really have any reservations about Hurts' ability to dice this Washington defense up, Chase Young being out, their star pass rusher. I think the offensive line is going to hold up with or without Landon Dickerson. I, th- I think Hurts will be fine. Where I do maybe have some reservations is this Washington offense has actually been kind of, I don't want to say star-studded, but it's, it's been producing for Wentz. They've had some pretty good game scripts mm-hmm. against a bad Jacksonville defense and a bad Lions defense. Jahan Dotson's been solid. Curtis Samuel's being used as an electric weapon. Terry McLaurin's still the bona fide X with a beautiful contract extension to his name now. Logan Thomas is solid. McKissick, Antonio Gibson. I hope this defense can step up and Slay's able to match Terry McLaurin like he's been able to do so before. Bradbury needs to be solid. Avante Maddox needs to be solid. So I think the offense will be fine. I think the defense might have their work cut out for him a little bit, but I still think the Eagles win. And Nick Sirianni came out, I believe today or yesterday, to say that he's expecting a breakout game from Hassan Reddick soon, a guy who really... I mean, he, he saw some flashes of production in the uh, Vikings game. I saw him get to the quarterback a few times and wrap up a few runs for a uh, loss of yards. But you haven't really seen the sacks you would like to see from him. Uh, I mean, even I'll, I'll go as far as to say interceptions. He can kind of go in that coverage if you need him to. So, I mean, I expect big things from this All um, pardon me, this defense, considering a lot of the guys had played with Wentz. And if he truly was a bad locker room guy, they're going to have a bounty on his head. I mean, as messed up as it is to sound, if he treated them poorly – He's gonna. They're gonna treat him poorly in this game. I it's would a, love. Go ahead. It's almost like the other night against the Vikings. Every time Rager touched the ball, you could just see oh, the yeah. Eagles bringing even more juice, tackling him. Mm-hmm. Same's gonna be for Wentz this weekend with that Eagles D line. Seth, your point. 
I'm going to be intrigued to see if Brandon Graham or Fletcher Cox gets to Wentz and brings him down. Fletcher Cox is always one to put on a show when he gets a sack. I want to know if there's going to be anything extra there if that happens. That, oh, that, that'll yeah. Be, that'll it's a good point. Maybe I'll have like a duck hunter like celebration, like yes. get up like cock like a shotgun or something, you know. Yeah, like, he's been known to like yeah. crawl on the ground a lot when he gets sacked, so maybe he crawls on the ground, sets up with like a sniper or something like that. For yeah. I don't know, because, you know, Wentz is a big hunter. He, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. he, loves, he loves himself some hunting over there. Indianapolis was a perfect place for him but now he's got i mean he's from north dakota what do you expect yeah. he's I mean, got to deal with the uh, thing to do out there mm-hmm. <laughs> he's got to deal with the woods of uh washington now so he can have fun with that but definitely an interesting uh storyline we were going to touch on cowboys giants but due to lack of time we'll just talk rogers versus brady before we go to break i mean quickly this hasn't been really uh i should say matchup of the decade or anything like that these two have only faced five times before but at the same time, I mean, it's something to talk about. A struggling Green Bay offense who kind of emerged uh, last week a little bit, got Aaron Jones going versus Tom Brady, who who knows what's going on with him right now. I mean, really, who knows the way he's kind of losing a lot of weight, his face is looking frail. Anyone can jump in. I mean, who are you expecting first off to win this game, and who's going to play better, Brady or Rodgers? I honestly think, biases aside, and just recent action out of both quarterbacks, I'm gonna go Aaron. Shocked. <laughs> it's because Brady, like what you touched on, he's not doing too hot lately. Like Giselle is saying stuff about divorce. He's looking really bad. He's saying things like, oh, I woke up in the morning and my arm is all messed up, so I wonder how long I'm gonna do this. Aaron, he's Putting together an offense with young receivers. I mean, Sammy Watkins is out. Randall is questionable, along with Christian Watson. Randall Cobb, I mean, Randall Cobb is good. No, Al Lanzard is good. Randall Cobb, Christian Watson, questionable. I mean, as long as he's Watson was actually labeled healthy today. Oh, so he... Yeah, I had him on a fantasy Okay. Yeah, I mean, he'll have some more receivers than Brady will have in this one, because Brady's receiving core is very banged up right now. Right, like he doesn't... Julio Jones is questionable. Mike Evans is out. Akeem Hicks on the defensive side is out. Godwin's so like, still out. Yeah, Godwin. It's think, just not looking yeah. good for either team. But, like, I think Aaron's going to have the upper hand. I agree with you. I mean, he's got Lazard, obviously. Not really, you know, a wide receiver one truly, but it's his wide receiver one for this season. So I think he's probably going to produce a little bit more than Brady and edge them out. And let's be honest, if it weren't for a bad Saints offense, Brady wouldn't have won last week. He didn't look Mm -hmm. great either. Neither team did, at least offensively, until really the fourth quarter. So take one more point and then we'll head to break and go to our top five. Anyone wants to jump in, they can. But just talking about the Rodgers versus Brady kind of narrative coming into this week. Looking at this game, I think Rodgers needs this game more than Brady does. But I see that the Packers and Bucks on equal playing fields here, both receiving core. Well, Tom Brady's receiving core is banged up. Rodgers doesn't have much of a uh, receiving core to begin with. Looking at the game, I think the Bucks will edge out Green Bay. I just look at the defenses. I trust the Bucks defense against Rodgers more than I trust the Packers defense against Brady. And so, and I kind of look at the situation. Tampa has kind of owned Green Bay in recent games that they've played. I kind of look at it like a saints Bucks situation where the Saints have got the best of the Bucks in the past couple of years. I think the Bucks just have the upper hand in this game, and I think they'll come out with a win. All right, so we've got two votes for the – or pardon me, two votes for the Packers, one for the Bucks. Due to time constraints, we're going to have to skip Connor and Seth and go to our top five, but 
Looks like the Packers win. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be close, but at the same time, Rodgers, he's been clicking. I think he's still got a very versatile running back in Aaron Jones. And the same thing on the other side with Brady, but I just think that for some reason he's going to get the upper hand in this one. Brady's not fully committed to football, it seems like, at this point. So we'll see how that one goes on Sunday. All right, we'll take a quick step off after these messages. We'll come back with our top five segment. I've kept it a secret, but time to reveal it. Top five catches of all time in honor of George Pickens' absurd catch last night. We'll come back with our top five and then round off the show. You're listening to Offsides right here on RowanRadio.com Channel 2 with your host, Danny Ryan, joined by Ali Pontano, Connor Brown, Nick Rizzo, and Seth Fisher. We're back after these messages. What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this and connect with this, we reconnect with each other and build family memories we will carry with us forever. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. It's easy. Just put in your zip code to find family-friendly outdoor destinations near you. You'll also find guides to free activities, games, and amazing forest facts. Give the magic of the outdoors to your kids and reconnect with your family. Find a forest near you at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're tuned in to RowanRadio.com, Channel 2, right here on Offsides. As we get into our top five segment here on this Friday edition, September 23rd. And quickly, speed round for everyone due to time constraints. That's my fault. I apologize. But, Nick, we'll start with you. Top five catches of all time in honor of George Pickens. All right. So, my list is more based off situation of the catch. You, you'll see what I mean. So, number okay. five... I'm sliding in George Pickens at number five. That wow. was just an insane catch. I mean, body fully horizontal, one-handed catch. I mean, it was just insane. Number four, this may be a bit of a hot take. I'm putting Odell at number four. Wow. All the way down at number and four. And Connor Brown slaps his lap in frustration and just. And look, this is where the situation thing comes in. So <laughs> That's disgusting. Number three, I'm sliding in Edelman's catch in the Super Bowl against the Falcons. Off the ground. I mean, his catch was absurd. You, you can't. That, 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 that that's more luck than skill. That catch. Way had, more luck than skill. Had a big oh, impact no. on the Patriots winning that game. Number two, I'm doing Santonio Holmes catch in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, okay. back of the end zone. Number one, I got the helmet catch. Okay. Connor Brown, you cannot have a complaint about that one. Yeah, you can. No. <laughs> I mean, we had a lot of the same ones, so I, okay. I think we're all going to have a lot of the same yeah. ones, but I mean, just due to the absurdity of all of the ones that are probably on our list. All right, Seth, we'll pick it up with you. These are in no particular order. I have the Immaculate Reception. Mm. I have. I also have Edelman's Super Bowl catch. Okay. OBJ's catch. Of course. The catch, which is uh, Joe Montana's. Oh, uh, okay. Catch. Go one. And then the helmet catch. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think everyone's going to have their helmet catch on their list right here. Connor, I mean, you're probably going to have two New York Giants catches on here. Let's hear your list. All right, yeah. So, number five, I want to go super sp- specific, kind of out of, you know, left field. 
this wide receiver for the Cardinals, Nate Poole, played for uh, them in like the early 2000s, caught an insane touchdown pass to beat him against the Vikings in the season's finale in 2003. He was actually my wide receivers coach at one point, so I had to shout him out. Awesome. And then I have Pickens at four, Tyree three, Holmes two, OBJ one. All right, Allie, take it away. Okay, so oh, no particular order, Richard Rodgers' Motown Miracle, uh, Greg Jen's catch in Super Bowl 45. Uh, Max McGee's catch in Super Bowl one and one-handed back shoulder. Come on now, uh, the sea of hands, and my number one is Randall Cobb's catch against the Chicago Bears to put the Packers in the playoffs. That was just amazing. What about Hakeem Nix's uh, hail mary catch Ooh. against the Packers in the I, uh, divisional round? Divisional round. Uh, that one hurt. That one hurt. You know, it's pretty good. It was. Could have sworn I said top five NFL catches of all time. Not Packard. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> you hey, have, hey, you hey, had hey, a lot of see the see a hands though. The see a hands. See, that was a good see one. a hands. Yeah, like, like come on, one. come yeah, on. That That's a good one. one. But I mean, it, it was a very consistent trend during I'm, that top I'm sorry. Five. I'm sorry. It was right. the top five. Like in your heart, it was your top. Yes. Five. Okay. You I did. You did say in your opinion. Yeah. That is your fault. No, it is, and you know. It is her opinion, so I have to respect it. There's you, no you want no NFL your top five. See, see of hands, <laughs> and um, then I have to go the first hail mary, the catch. Uh, let's see, helmet catch. Yeah. Um, and then probably I gotta give it to um, the Arizona hail mary. Come on, like he, mm-hmm. he I bet there's had like th- three men on him. Oh, all right. We got two lists from Ali Pontano. Thank you for uh, providing the NFL one. But uh, I, I respect I respect you putting the Packers all on your list for the first list. <laughs> I'll take it away and round off the show with my list. So I do have a Philadelphia Eagles catch as number five, and that's going to be fourth and 26 with Fred oh, X. I mean, on. listen, this also ties into what Nick said. you got to think about the situation. Fourth and 26 with just over a minute left in the fourth yeah. quarter, a chance to beat the Packers, and they did beat the Packers in that game. I mean, it changed the shape of the game. Fourth and 26, Allie. I'm just – that's, Again, that's you're a long play- way to go. But you were also playing Brett Favre. He's known for throwing – He's also a Hall of Fame quarterback. He is, but he's also known for throwing really bad passes. And, and taking a lot from the poor. <laughs> Connor Brown. Okay, okay. Go, I'm so you're teeing me up right now, Allie. This is like – this is batting practice. All right, all right. You're throwing him alley-oops out here. Yeah. And he's better than Arnold. I'll leave it at that. So – Fourth and 26 against uh, Brett Favre and the Packers. They Philadelphia Eagles went on to win that game, and really that's why it's been on my list. And, you know, if you really look at the play, he was in man coverage. Cornerback, he burnt him a little bit, and then two safeties immediately crashed on him after to lay him out, and he still held, held on to the ball. And he basically ran into the receivers, at, or um, pardon me, the safeties, as he was catching the ball. So that's why he's number five. Number four, Edelman Super Bowl catch. I mean, that's why they beat the Falcons. It just is. Uh, they don't have that catch, obviously, that Season is a lot different, so I have to put him there number four. Number three, I mean, my list is pretty cookie-cutter after uh, Freddie Mitchell. Odell, three-finger grab, one of the greatest catches of all time. Number two, Santonio Holmes catching the Super Bowl back at the end zone, barely keeping himself inbound, so that has to be there just due to the situation as well. And then I think this is the unanimous number one, right? I mean, I know you guys didn't have any particular order, but if we had to pick David Tyree helmet catch to take down the Patriots and dethrone them, I mean, un- Believable and uh, well, I think Eli Manning's name should be thrown in there as well. You know, you, you, but the thing I was thinking about the Giants might have the greatest catch and throw. 
yeah. in NFL yeah. history. That that Manningham throw, yeah, that that's that's up there. Yeah, it is. It is for sure. But uh, yeah, pretty similar lists all around, and uh, you had to do that in honor of George Pickens' absurd catch. I didn't expect him to make a lot of lists today. He made two lists, I believe. So. Shocked me a little bit, but I don't blame you. I mean, that was an absurd catch, as Nick said. Body completely horizontal. You have to respect it. Well, that'll just about do it for us here on Offsides. For my co-hosts today, Ali Pontano, Connor Brown, Nick Rizzo, and Seth Fisher, and for myself, Danny Ryan, signing off on this Friday episode of Offsides. You can tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday right here on RowanRadio.com channel 2 for new episodes of Offsides, and make sure to check the podcasted editions out on Rowan Radio Sports wherever you find your podcasts. Have a great weekend, everyone. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m., for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.